Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. I am indeed John Davis and the podcast host. Thank you, Alec Webb. Welcome to MotorWeek's podcast number 139. And around our table. I don't know what shape this table is. It's not exactly it's like it's a modified triangle. It's like a modified triangle. triangle. Writer, producer, Brian Robinson. <laughs> Hello. And there he is, road test producer, Ben Davis. Nowhere else I'd rather be. And assistant producer, Greg Carlos. Don't ask the rest of us that question. Yeah, I think it's more of an amoebic triangle to go back to the <laughs> And our writer, Napster. Patrick Lucas. Uh, hello, everybody. He's a trapezoidal fan. All right. Yeah, we, well, we, just well-documented <laughs> trapezoidal fan. <laughs> we have a lightning round. Viewer questions. Not, we'll see if anyone has anything to rant and rave about, but first some uh, cars and vehicles to get into. Chrysler Pacifica. The um, town and country and Grand Caravan are gone. The Pacifica is back, but as a minivan, uh, Chrysler's new uh, hope to revive the minivan market. Uh, who wants to start? Oh, just a quick question before <laughs> Greg starts on this one. Did they officially say that the Grand Caravan is gone? It's going to be in for they're, they're going to run them side by side for another, for another year, year, and then the Grand Caravan's gone. So probably, gonna gonna probably for fleets. I would yeah, imagine. they're not going to sell okay. anything outside of. Carry on, carry on. Every Greg. time Thank every manufacturer's ever done <laughs> that, it's been for fleets. But yeah. having said that, you know this is a big risk. They're they're not going to have a. Um, uh, and the name recognition for either the Grand Caravan or the Town and Country, although I think both those names will come back somehow. Uh, so it is a big risk. And the Pacifica was not a particularly successful crossover utility. Yeah, I find that a little bit strange. That was immediately after hearing the news that it was going to be the Pacifica. It was like kind of odd that they would take that risk and associate that, a new vehicle, with something that wasn't necessarily welcome uh, as a whole. But I uh, came away pretty impressed. It's not going to revolutionize the minivan segment, but it's very, very nice. It still uses a 3.6 liter V6. Five. Uh, Is it five 3.6. Six. six. Yeah, 3.6. And um, updated um, some new tech. It actually gets 28 miles per gallon city. Um, talk about wow. talk about the second and third <clears throat> it's rows. It's, it's, highway, sorry. Yeah. It's still got stone and go seating, but they made it better. How? <laughs> they uh, so now there's a button you can press on the front seats that uh, one press it'll push the front seats forward. So little, power, right? Power uh, pushes it forward, and then it's just a uh, one lever, and uh, they assist. Uh, I think they now assist it into the floor, so it's pretty. You don't really have to use a lot of effort to get it down into the floor. And it is easy. It's probably the easiest system out there, and it, it's quick. So, did you find? Did you spend any time riding in the second row? I didn't ride in the second row. Uh, I spent a little bit of time playing with their new UConnect theater back there, oh, which is pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, they got a lot of games. The touchscreen is really responsive and uh, kind of shocking at how good the technology is back there. I did sit in the third row for a good amount of time. All right, all right. This is a moment of, of truth here. How Ooh. tall are you? Six three. Oh. Craig's six, uh, Craig. Craig Greg, is six. Greg Greg is Greg six, is six three. three. <laughs> uh, I watched the video of you in the back seat. You didn't seem to have any problems with headroom. 
No, the headroom was actually really nice. That surprised me. Yeah, legroom isn't great, but again, it's better than a lot of the crossovers and the, the larger three-row SUVs and, that you're going to get and into. It's got power recline is yep. available on the yep, third row. Yep, all nice and easy. Uh, you've got the uh, hands-free opening of the uh, sliders as Which well. Which they as didn't the have gate. activated for our uh, huh. vehicles there, but yeah, they, it will be available. Same with the uh, the rear hatch. We have the same thing, but they do have the one touch now. So where they said the problem was younger kids have trouble still pulling the door to get it to automatically same, open. Same. Yeah, Patrick knows um, what we're talking about. Yeah, the here. strength of a small child. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just a just a one press button, and uh, so yeah, they go for convenience here. And actually, driving the thing, it drives pretty nicely. It's uh, got a ton of power, it's actually. A new platform. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, a ton of a uh, ton of low end torque, and it actually you spin the wheels pretty easily. Um, and I yeah. t- actually I took it <laughs> on to um, got Ortega Highway, which I don't if uh, if you don't know, it's a pretty hardcore road out there in California, and it handled itself pretty well. It wasn't really many there weren't mer- many scary in- instances. Is there going to be a Hellcat version? <laughs> they said they actually that question came up. No, not yet, but uh, I'm sure we could dream about it. Do you drive the hybrid? Did they? Yeah. No. Did they say anything about the hybrid? Did they say anything about an all-wheel drive hybrid? No, they uh, kind of. They, you know how PR people are. They don't like to talk about anything. Yeah. That they're so not speculate. they certainly leave the door open. They let you kind of make assumptions, but uh, there is no plans. As of right now, if there's one disappointment I had, and it, it certainly was expected, the the hybrid uh, battery takes up the space under the floor, so you lose the stow and go right, seating. No that's that's go. too bad. But mm-hmm. then I'm not sure what else you'd do. Uh, it looks like a nice vehicle. I mean, the market for minivans is still about a half a million. Um, there will be a new Honda Odyssey this year, so that will be an interesting duel between those two. Uh, it's down this year of, well, 2015, there were a few f- fewer sales than 2014. Do you think, does anybody think the minivan's going to make a comeback? I mean, there's some thought out there, including, I think, some of the p- folks at FCA, that um, the next generation coming up will say, hey, I don't want to cross over like my parents have. Let's, what's the minivan? <laughs> think that could Because it is I such mean, a useful vehicle. I hope so. Yeah, it might climb a little just because... You know, kids that be buying minivans maybe grew up in minivans now, but uh, I don't see it ever being anywhere near crossover sales. That it was. Did yeah. they, they, be known. I was what it was. used to be well over there. a million sales a year. They made this one to sort of not look as minivan-like, so mm-hmm. I think they're kind of like trying to blur the line. No, that's what, that's what they've been clear. trying to do for yeah. years, though. Yeah, Nissan, or, uh, yeah, Nissan yeah. tried that with the Quest. Okay. And I bet the I thought the Quest looked awesome, actually. I like the Quest. Yeah. I, there's a I, there I, there is a love for minivans. A lot of people probably won't want to admit it, but anybody who's ever rented one and driven one, you can get you can get away with a lot of stuff in a minivan. Yeah, you, sure you, you don't have the higher floor of a crossover that yeah. can cut into space. You can uh, drive fast and not get noticed by cops. And do a lot of stuff. <laughs> Back to what Brian was saying, though, I don't necessarily agree that there were. I mean, kids now didn't really grow up in minivans per se. We're at the point now where they were in expeditions or Tahoe suburbans. So I really, if it does, if they do make a comeback, it's not going to be in the next twenty years. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think people are going to have to almost completely forget about the minivan, and then haven't they re- almost done that now? Yeah, re- well, you have to rediscover it because it is. I mean, I think yeah. a lot of us think it's such a practical vehicle, yeah. and just for whatever reason, people just hate saying they have a yeah. minivan. 
Uh, it looks like a, a, a thorough, a well-done vehicle. It'll be interesting to see how it does. So you're wrong, Robinson, yeah. is what I'm saying. Uh, uh, oh, okay. He's throwing the gauntlet uh, down. Oh, 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 okay. Come on, we need some conflict I'm used on to this it. I'm used podcast. to being wrong, man. I'm used to it. We're just way too nice. Porsche Cayman GT4, a car that I think all of us enjoyed when we took it to Roebling. Uh, what's your impression of this? Is this the, the ultimate, um, I won't use the word affordable, but the ultimate basic uh, sports car from Porsche or what? <laughs> hey, Brian, I wouldn't why say don't you start? anything basic at all about it. It's basically, uh, which, you know, we've already gotten to the point where most of us prefer Cayman to a 911 mm-hmm. anyway, and now this is taking every cool part off of the 911 that you can and putting it putting on it the, Cayman. the Cayman. It's got the uh, 3.8 liter uh, 6. It's got all the suspension stuff from the 911 GT3 brakes and even some GT3. cool stuff in the interior like the door straps so, and stuff yeah it's just yeah. Uh, take some weight out manual transmission only which you know i don't know the last time the porsche did that so uh, that is hardcore it's, yeah it's an impressive piece no doubt it even looks like a 911 from a distance yeah i mean from it's, far away it, it's hard to tell the difference it sounds amazing and yeah it was unbelievable so much fun it does a good job making you feel like you're driving something special and it is something special because i mean it costs a lot of money it costs just as much or more than the base 911. 300 right? bucks more 300 than bucks a base 911, yeah. which I'm not sure how many base 911s ever get sold. Do you think you're getting more car for that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You're you getting are. more car in that than you are in a base 911? Oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. And you're getting a car, I think, that that makes you feel like you're in a sports car, what you bought a sports car mm-hmm. for. The problem I have with the 911 now is it feels almost too big, and, you know, I've never quite thought it was. I mean, it's a fabulous car, don't get me wrong, but it always just felt a little large for what it was purported to be, at least the, the last few generations of it. But, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, okay, let's uh, performance car of a totally different color that we also had at this it year's. It actually was the same color. color. They're both oh, yellow. Oh, that's right. All right a, <laughs> Not that a, we've been paying of attention. Of a different but. type, uh, but still <laughs> considers itself a world-class sports car, uh, the Ford Shelby GT350R uh, Mustang. Everyone. Who would like to start with that? I mean, that to have that and the GT4 on the track at the same time, that's that's a pretty cool just see the pants comparison that you get mm-hmm. to do. Uh, I, I was on the track harder than I've ever been on that track before in that 350R. That thing just handled so flat and it had so much power, so much brakes. It was unreal. But was it as easy to drive as the GT4? Because the GT4 is just, you kind of just put the pedal down and just let that thing do its do its work. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you feel as safe, I would say? Do you want a Shelby I, to feel that way? I, I felt so excited in the, in the Shelby that probably there, I'm sure there was a little more danger involved. But you, I also felt so in control that I was just euphoric and uh, everything yeah, else was Those cars have totally different attitudes. Mm-hmm. And I think actually when you came yeah. back from that event, weren't I was asking you, I think, if like this felt like as nailed down or as like dialed in as like a Porsche. And you said... It, I said yeah, it does. Yeah, it does in a in a muscle car way. So yeah, you mean, like you've got the he- you got yeah. extra heft. You've got more heft to, to throw around, but and it's still yeah. All those inherent senses are there, yeah. but it definitely feels as as capable as a Porsche to me. Do you feel that something you know as traditional as as a, a Shelby GT three hundred and fifty R when you throw it into the corner, you can be. 
I don't know, induce a little bit more oversteer quicker, have a little bit more throttle uh, steering with it. I mean, it, it, it's got to, it does feel very different on the track. You, yeah, you have no problem dealing out some throttle on oversteer if you want, for yeah. sure. That <laughs> engine, engine is insane. I mean, we've talked about it at length already with different uh, podcasts, but uh, 5.2 liter uh, revs to 8200. Mm-hmm. I mean, just when you think, you know, the power's going to drop off, it's got like another two grand's worth of power coming at you. It seems like a car that you could give it enough time, enough, enough laps, you could know it like the back of your hand and really start to get surgical with the oversteer. And I, I don't know, is it, is it sold out? Because it's it's a relative bargain. I don't know that it's sold out because there's dealers just marking up yeah, like crazy. On I heard it's yeah. a six-figure car, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's they, they've just put such a ridiculous uh, markups on it, which... You know the the base the MSRP is not bad, but no, it's cheap. Yeah, as the last couple of of Shelby's have been. So we had a lot of fun at Roebling this year. Uh, we took all of our junk down in vans, uh, minivans, <laughs> no minivans, but vans, <laughs> and we had a good time. But the Cayman GTR four and Shelby GT three fifty R, I think, were two of the big highlights. Let's move on now to our lightning round. Our panelists have two minutes to debate trending automotive topics. When time's up, they're going to hear the bell. Our home state of Maryland, in its wisdom, the legislatures therein, have proposed a bill that would require the use of original equipment or certified parts for repairs, mostly meaning body repairs, for the first two years of a new vehicle's life. They say it ensures quality. This is the backers of the bill. However, critics are saying it really is a gimme to the dealers uh, and that it could drive up prices, particularly your insurance prices. Let's cut to the chase. Does the consumer really benefit from some kind of a bill like this, or is it meddling in things the government shouldn't meddle in? What do you think? Any particular? I mean, if you have a new car and you get into a fender bender, and if a shop doesn't want to do anything illegal, uh, they have to use OEM body parts, which means a better fit, let's mm-hmm. face it. At the same time, the insurance company, which would probably like to get away with non-OEM parts, is going to have to provide them. And so that means more cost for them, I, which means more cost for you. I worked in a body shop for a couple of mm-hmm. years, actually. And from what I remember, the majority of the new cars would get OEM um, sheet metal. It, w- it would only be the, the cars that were really pushing the the boundaries of being totaled out or not mm-hmm. cars that would be later inspected again by an insurance company and cars that might have hidden damage and stuff that use the um the aftermarket stuff so, my insurance policy i actually get to opt for oem parts yeah so. i think most uh, a lot yeah. of them require it the yeah. insurance companies will require the oem parts already i think uh, one of the things that the um, auto bodies have brought up where in the uh, case where you mentioned where something's close to being totaled, if it's within that two-year um, bracket, yeah, the period, right? Um, that could actually then, force right, a car it's going to be totaled if they got to go all OEM parts. So that's, that's a very, very good point. Yeah. I hadn't heard that argument. That right. makes sense. If you got a car that's marginal, mm-hmm. non-using OEM parts could keep it on the road, which for most buyers, given that they have long loans, is probably preferable to having it. Uh, uh, made salvage well i mean cars in general today there's when you look at a fender it's so much more smaller than a fender was 10 years ago i mean most of a car now is front bumper cover and hood Mm and and these parts are increasingly i mean they're not structural parts they're basically decoration so they're i've noticed with using our gopro mounts the metal's getting thinner and Mm -hmm. thinner and thinner so uh i would imagine even when we were pricing out 
a replacement 911 hood, I, I could get one from a dealer for, I think, under 500 bucks. It was like $300 for a hood. Yeah. So, I mean, these parts aren't really all that much money. There's been several attempts uh, over the years, uh, at least uh, one in 2004, and I wouldn't be surprised to see others in Maryland to somehow drive more of the parts business to, um, it seems like these either OEM parts, or, or I have to say there's also something called certified parts, which are not OEM parts, but may well be made by the same people that made the OEM parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what they're really after here is the really cheap copied parts that are not made with um, with factory dies or factory specs that make your car, you know, the gaps wide and don't really fit very well and require a lot of work. S- I'm just not sure that we need legislation here. It seems like that the buyer needs to be a little bit smarter about their repairs. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, didn't come to any good conclusion, but it was a good discussion. Uh, here's one. This is a viewer question from Barbara. Barbara says, I currently own a 2003 Mitsubishi Eclipse, which I love. Recent knee surgery has made my car too low to easily get in and out of. I'm looking at my new car. I shudder to think I will be consigned to some dowdy, functional, sensible sedan. Do you know an affordable sports car? And I'm going to say sporty car, Barbara, uh, that features sleek design but has to settle for something. um, She doesn't want to settle for something's boring. I'm not a teenager, but I don't want an old lady car either. Any suggestions would be appreciated. So primarily she's looking for something slick that looks, uh, looks, look, you know, looks young and has adjustable height, adjustable seats. Well, first I would probably sue the doctor because if you went in for knee surgery and they lowered your car, that's a major problem. That's, I kid, of course. That is Maybe I not what wrong. she said. Yeah, no, no it's, it's written right. I just thought it was. I was being a jerk, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry, uh, Barbara. Answer, Barbara. Oh, I would say challenger. Joke. Challenger. Oh, Dodge Challenger for sure. Yeah. Very uh, high seating position. Easy to get in and out of. Yeah, Dodge Challenger too. But you know, there's there's a lot of stuff with low seating positions that has high adjustable seats. Uh, Cyan, uh, FRS, Cyan TC, BRZ from uh, Subaru, uh, for that matter, Mustang and Camaro all have got high adjustable seats. If you want a convertible, we've got this uh, Buick Cascada, which has got quite a uh, uh, adjustable height seat in it, and it's a convertible to boot. I had some, but I feel like they're going to sound yeah, go like no. teenager cars now because I'm reading my list. Well, well Barbara already... doesn't want anything that, that would make her right. look like She doesn't want anything old, old lady like. Right. Okay. WRX, you might yep. have just mentioned that. Yeah. GTI. Good yep. one. Good, good one. Amazing. Good one. Genesis <laughs> Coupe. Because she, she also prefaced she wanted some a little older, like a used car. Right. So Genesis Coupe, Focus ST. Solid. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, that's a solid one. So Barbara, I think I stay away from a Genesis Coupe. I think yeah. rides really rough. Uh, yeah. Well, well that's, that's she's coming out of a 2003 Mitsubishi Eclipse, really which was uh, not exactly a car noted for its ride, but it was a you know good looking car. Anything. Well, Barbara, what? <laughs> Carry on. Said it wasn't no, much. Of, it. <laughs> it wasn't much of anything. Oh, it wasn't noted on. for much of anything. It wasn't yeah. noted uh, for much. Nah. Well, it wasn't fast and furious. Uh, remember, yeah. you guys, or uh, Brian remembers. Yeah, okay. Remember when we took? Was it the Eclipse or the uh, the Chrysler counterpart, the Eagle that we took to to Roebling? That was a long time ago. Uh, Got to dig back in the retro that was before your time, probably. Yeah. It actually didn't do badly, except it just shredded its tires. Well, the first, yeah, the early ones were really nice. It yeah. kind of lost its way yeah. towards the later gens. Barbara, I hope you have some help. The answer, I think, from us is that take a look around. No There's shortage. actually a lot of two-door coupish and a couple of convertibles. 
uh, within a reasonable price range that have, uh, once you get up and trim level one or two notches, uh, will have some kind of power adjustable seats. Most all of them have a manual height adjustment to the seats as standard. That's, is that an option? Uh, oh, we, don't, we don't have phone, phone book. Anymore, anymore, do we? we don't no, really. No, no. no, we have What's phone. Maybe at your house. We have Webster. <laughs> <Not my house. laughs> we hope you that helps you a little bit. Speaking of uh, everyone being um, r- raucous. Okay. I have a rave. No, I have a rave. Branson rave. Branson rave. I have a rave. Patrick. So it's possible. That's funny. That's the second funny joke you've had today. Well, I'm um, still embarrassed from the first one. Um, EVs, I think. We have a Nissan Leaf in, to, just to preface. Nissan Leaf, right in 2016, it's got over 100 Wait, miles of range, Which right? does a lot to take care of the range anxiety. Exactly. So yeah. I think we're finally at a point where EVs are legitimate cars to live with. As a second car. If I would argue even a first car. The Bolt is yeah. going to have 200 miles, The Bolt, right? I can't wait to, uh, to or, And the Tesla Model 3. But even this, right. this Leaf... Um, you mean as an only car? Yeah. I mean, because I, I commute. I have about 25 miles oh, from I'm, work to home. I'm uh, renting a sweet pad at the beach this weekend, bro. Why don't you come on down? <laughs> that sounds weird and creepy. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway. Um, Can I come? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't ask you. So, yeah, I'm driving. I drove home um, with full charge. I got to my apartment, and I still had... And you don't have. I, I still had a hundred miles or like ninety miles of range, and and, I, and you don't have out. We should preface. Right. You don't have outside charging, right? And apartment. so, so I, where would you plug it in if you bought it? Well, I wouldn't live in an apartment ah. forever. Um, but the point is, you could drive. Forgot, it. Yeah. You could probably Walgreens. have driven it for two or three days. <laughs> the point is that I didn't it. charge it overnight that night, and still had plenty of range to get back to work and run Where errands you could if I have needed charged to wheeze the juice. Right, exactly. Yeah. I could have charged it again. Right. So <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, I'm extremely intrigued with the – I've said for a long time that the 200-mile you know, range at a reasonable price – well, I reasonable think, price for electric car makes is going to be a game changer. And I think you know, the Bolt's going to do it and the <clears> Tesla we'll Model 3 if they we'll ever do it. I just thought getting into that triple And I think the Leaf digit. will probably uh, do it. Yeah. They'll probably come back with another upgrade pretty quick. Well, yeah, and increasing 100 yeah. miles of range was a big deal. But, yeah, now 200, really I think we're close to the point where those are legitimate first and only cars maybe. Yeah, I, I've, every time I see somebody on um, a trip that's got, like, say, a Tesla Model S because you see them with 200-plus range, uh, I know we know one person – uh, that bought one and after a couple of years got rid of it because he thought it was still a glorified golf cart. But he seems to be the exception. Everyone else I've talked to seems to love it. They they plan their trip so they can be near the uh, DC fast chargers. They go have a meal. It come back out. It's eighty five percent charged, and they go on for another two hundred and fifty miles. So they tend to mm-hmm. seem to be very very happy. I mean, do you guys like driving them or not? Is that why you're giving me a hard time? Do you just not like driving I lo- EVs? Or I like? love EVs. Yeah? yeah. I mean, do you like the way they drive? Like, I don't think most of them drive like we would like to have a car drive, but they're competent. I right. think they drive great. Almost everyone we have in the you know, Eagle is great. Yeah. The Eagle is probably the best like driving the, uh, electric car we've ever had. I just had. think it's a stretch still to call it your primary vehicle. Like the BMW. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. uh, yeah. Wait, Certainly your primary not commuter three, vehicle, though. but right, right. sports car. Yeah, I would well, I'd still uh, want some, I have to admit, when I, go, when I get something that Should I want be. to get, take on a long trip, I'd like to know that I can, when it gets down to, <clears> when I've done a couple hundred miles and I've still got a hundred miles left in, in fuel, I'm happier. If I was kind of like limited, knowing I couldn't go more than a couple hundred miles, that still would bother me as an only car. But 
I just thought that was a pleasant surprise yeah, in this leaf. That absolutely. was my experience. And you're, I have to say, you're the second or third person on the staff in the short time it's been here that's made similar comments. So, uh, congrats, uh, Nissan, you, that breaking that uh, triple-digit barrier. So what's a full-charge uh, range, typically? I think it shows like 115, 120. Brian like said 120. it was 123 when he yeah. left his house last night. So, the other Brian. With, yeah, reasonable temperature. Okay. Let's wrap up our Motor Week podcast number 139. Thanks to all involved, writer-producer Brian Robinson, road test producer Ben Davis, assistant producer Greg Carlos, and writer Patrick Lucas. Our audio engineering duties have been done once again by Jim Bigwood. Our podcast creator is Bob Mixter, and this podcast producer and the guy with the bell is Patrick Lucas, of course. Thank you all for watching Motor Week on public TV stations around the country and also on Velocity, and for listening to our podcast, for being one of the million a month that watches our videos on uh, YouTube. We greatly appreciate that. And that visits uh, our MotorWeek.org website. We basically couldn't keep doing this without you. Thanks again for writing, for being part of Motor Week. Uh, Until next time, I'm John Davis. For all of us, be safe out there, and thanks for keeping Motor Week in your life. You have been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by BrockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.